Garden, Saturdays 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Revolution Radio. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We gotta stop us! They're gonna kill us all! See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. Time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it. But unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Radio! We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyal? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given rights, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Am I live? No. There we go. Now I'm live. So I'm going to assume that everything's working properly until I find out otherwise. Uh, welcome to Free Association. A couple of minutes late, but I'm early, really, because it's just after 3 o'clock in the UK, so I'm an hour earlier than normal. So I'm late but early at the same time, if that makes any sense at all. And uh, my name's Dennis, and you're listening to Revolution Radio, Studio B. All right, I, I knew it was working. I just thought I'd be I'd be careful. Thanks for the thanks for this sound check, Terminator. Appreciate it. 
So Revolution Radio is entirely listener-supported. We've got a, a chat room, which is uh, the hub of, of the whole thing, really. Uh, yeah, you, you, need, you need feedback from the chat room when you're doing live radio. There's no way you can do live radio without it, really. So uh, I haven't got a show planned as such, but I've got part two of the um, the Brendan O'Connell video from a couple of weeks ago. All right, Lenny times in the in the audience as well. So I don't, Lenny, if you want to have a conversation, we can do that, or I can play part two of the video. It's up, it's up to you. I know it's early for you. I haven't done any research either, so I may be a bit useless in the conversation about uh, crypto just at the moment. So I lot of May Street to Fleeced to Lenny Time, all in the chat room. All right, I'll play the video because it's it'll be easier all all day round, and then it gives me a chance to do some research. We'll we'll do the conversation about money and crypto and and what have you next week. So let's uh, let's see what we've got here. Let me set this up. We've got about 45 minutes to play, I think. So we might get through most of it. We may not get through all of it, but some of it's a little bit repetitive. So we'll see how we go anyway. So it's on my chat. So that's Silicon Valley Bank Collapse, New Hampshire Drug Cartel Connection, it's called on here. It's on it's on my Rumble channel. Right, Rumble isn't always cooperative, but I'm going to share my screen and then move this forward a little bit and see how we get on. Yeah, it's 36 minutes in, so it should start at exactly the place... Right, let me uh, do that again. Start sharing. But it's going to break. The ground is crumbling. Keep it up. There's only one place to go, and that's war. But I'm going to bet money on the biggest, most powerful military-industrial complex in the world. Let's just hope it's not completely backdoored, and there's still hope. And there is still hope. Have faith, even in the ups and downs and upheavals. There will be fear porn everywhere. Thank you for your service, Mike. Thank you for all your work. Let's cut off and let's get back to the rest of the video. Okay, now we've heard from Mike. Now let's quickly go over the roles of the New Hampshire cartel operators. We'll also show you the political operators who protect them to this day and in fact for the last 30 years. Mike Gill, as you know, exposed a viper's nest in New Hampshire. The three main day-to-day runners of the largest drug and money laundering operation in history were exposed by an initial collaboration between Mike Gill, Aaron Day and James O'Keefe. In 2014, Day and O'Keefe, as well as Ben Swan, were already investigating Bill Griner and his chairmanship of Primary Bank, New Hampshire. Griner was being investigated for his corrupt political activities that were protecting the New Hampshire drug cartel. Griner was also close to Jeb Bush and the Bush family 
family of a history of drug cartel activity, as we remember Mina, Arkansas, the Bushes and the Clintons. You remember all that. By 2016, Dana O'Keefe had bumped into Mike Gill and his own independent investigations, which included a massive civilian information network that Mike had developed over many years. This included six state troopers, honourable men, risking their lives to expose the drug trafficking and murder of the children of New Hampshire. Through this incredible private informant network, the intimate details of the cartel's activities were recorded with witnesses in incredible detail, which led to the largest fentanyl bust in history, all from the work of Mike Gill. As an example of how Mike works, here he is at the New Hampshire Executive Council with a soon-to-be governor, Chris Sununu. Yep, that's Chris Sununu on his right. This is around September 2016, just as the relationship with James O'Keefe and Aaron Day was ending. Sununu had the goods on Democratic power brokers Bill and Janine Shaheen, Bill Griner, Andrew Cruz and Dick and Agnost. And he would go on to become governor within a few weeks. This is just one of the many high-level confrontations Mike Gill has had with state and federal authorities, just to give you a taste. Remember, Mike had been placing these people on billboards, calling them drug dealers and money launderers and totally corrupt for years. They were desperate to have him take the $50 million settlement. He was getting away with it because Mike himself was powerful and had plenty of money to push the issue. And of course, Mike was fearless, totally. He's one in a million. But Mike could not live with himself. Hundreds were dying every year from drug overdoses in New Hampshire alone, let alone the entire United States. Do you seriously think $50 million could assuage that guilt, that conscience? Not a chance. The ramifications of such deep and top-level corruption could not stand. The arrogance of these people. And then, you know, they met Mike Gill. but I will keep your attention, I promise. Now, I haven't heard too many people who've been in the mortgage business sitting down and talking to you. So my name is Mike Hill, and I own the Mortgage Specialist, and I've owned them for 26 years. Now, we were the number one broker, not just only in New Hampshire, but in the United States, multiple years. In addition, Fannie Mae has recognized me and I've done their training videos. So you can say I'm an expert in the mortgage business. Now, Mr. Per Perlo, who recently resigned, you may remember I just called him a drug launderer. He didn't dispute that. He resigned instead. Mr. Perlo, we spoke, Mr. Pappas, you brought up primary bank. Mr. Sununu, you brought up FRM. Well, you know who reported the scandal of FRM to the AG's office? Well, that would be myself. Listen, did you notice the drug dealers didn't want to sue me? Call me a drug dealer to see if I don't sue you, right? And everything I'm saying about you and you, I can verify, right? That's the plan. There's no mistakes here. An insurance defender is the banking commissioner. Listen, I have bought consent orders from these people. They've offered me $50 million to be quiet. Now, I have that. I put it on the, on the Internet. You'd like to see it, Mr. Sununu? Would you like to see it? No, I didn't think so. So it's all there. Liberty International. Right. All I have to do is be quiet. But they're protecting the people that are killing our children. They own the treatment center. This is involved. This is the laundering of that money. Any questions? I didn't think so. After this confrontation, as Mike Gill was prevented from running for governor, 
James O'Keefe and Aaron Day simply melted away as Mike refused yet again another $50 million offer he was expected to take. By combining their investigations, both parties had cornered the beast, which included the money laundering and the protection network. Dick Anagnost is the head of the drug cartel and has been for the last 30 years. Anagnost is the largest real estate developer in the state. He owns hospitals, a chain of drug treatment centres and pharmacies. These are in fact part of his drug distribution network. These people have zero shame or fear of indictment. They deal the drugs and then they run treatment centres to treat the drug addicts. I mean, I can't. I'm speechless. And you should be speechless too. These people have zero shame. And Agnost also owns a chain of casinos across the state that facilitates the drug money laundering. All the while, he's been arrested multiple times for drug trafficking with associated indictments, busts in the millions, but he has never gone to jail. How does he own and run all these sensitive operations? Andrew Cruz was the frontman for Autofair, owned by Anagnost. This was a distribution network by moving fentanyl using cars and car carriers. But it was also part of the money laundering network by hiding the cash within the inventory of the vehicles. The money was also hidden in the financing of the cars via a primary bank, of which Bill Griner was the chairman and owned by the cartel. Autofair was exposed in the Pandora Papers as money laundering. Andrew Cruz sold the company because of the exposure and became the lottery commissioner, which supervises the casinos and licenses them. I mean, really? I know, you must be laughing by now, but it gets better. Bill Shaheen, husband of Senator Janine Shaheen and former U.S. attorney working for the FBI, provided the protection for the cartel. This he accomplished by acting as a cutout between the cartel and the Boston FBI. This same Bill Shaheen acted as the lawyer for Ghislaine Maxwell as she ran to New Hampshire for safety, having such intimate knowledge of the money laundering network. It was the same corrupt Boston FBI that arrested her. Of note is also Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX and their office in New Hampshire, and the fact his biggest political contribution went to Bill and Janine Shaheen's protege, Senator Maggie Hassan, followed by the New Hampshire Democratic Party. How interesting. From 2011 to 2016, Mike Giller placed billboards exposing the corruption of his former lawyer, Alex Walker, and Bill Shaheen, the protection for the cartel. In subsequent billboards, Mike exposed Andrew Cruz, Dick Anagnost and Bill Griner as the heads of the cartel, the day-to-day managers. For years, they did nothing. Oh, that's a lie. They actually did some things, like three or four times. They offered Mike $50 million to walk away and take down the billboards. Three times and then a final fourth time informally, in court. Three times in paperwork and fourth orally, in court. Fifty million dollars. It's on the record, six years total of exposing these people, and they waited almost six years to take him to court. There's a good reason for that. You think this is so hard to believe? Here is the initial settlement and release paperwork and the email accompanying one of the offers. I'll read it to you. This is Mike's lawyer, Mike Barusis, replying to the insurer's lawyers operating behalf of Bill Shaheen and Alex Walker. Quote, My client is willing to settle this matter for $50 million. There are a number of conditions attached to the settlement offer. However, if the first condition is not agreed upon by all parties, then the remaining conditions are moot. The first condition is that Mr. Gill will not agree to the confidentiality agreement that has been proposed or any other agreements dealing with confidentiality. Should you agree to that amount and the first condition, we can discuss this settlement further. 
Mike has all the original documents and we will be releasing them in an indexed and highly navigable document very soon to be used by the public to lobby relevant government departments to investigate and indict this network. Mike was again $50 million in a court hearing in 2016. Mike was led away to jail on contempt charges for the fourth time in a row. Uh, get this on camera. Quick, Greg, move. Move, Greg. you don't quite understand what happened. Because, let's face it, it is so utterly bewildering that this doesn't seem to need to repeat things. But just keep this in mind. You all know about MENA Arkansas, Barry Seal, Iran-Contra, Colonel Oliver North, Guns for Drugs, Gary Webb exposing the Dark Alliance, crack cocaine on the streets of Los Angeles. You understand all that. It's a matter of the public record. We all know it's true. So why are you having problems with New Hampshire? It's just that the corruption just goes so deep and so far from the top to the bottom. So I'll just repeat, Mike Gill has named and shamed the top business and political personalities of New Hampshire as running a giant planetary drug money laundering operation and drug trafficking operation, including child sex trafficking, and they are offering him $50 million to walk away. They send the trucks down to Laredo, Texas, they pick out the the fentanyl, they fill it full of human desperation, children and grown adults, and ship them back into the United States. This is just guns for drugs, Mina Raka, Iran, all over again. Except this time, it's in Mexico, and it's not in Colombia, and it's not in Mina Arkansas, it's in New Hampshire. And no one has to invade Mexico, they need to invade New Hampshire, and a lot of other places, including Arizona too. And we'll get into these things later. Do you understand? On the record, not in dispute, even by them. They have never challenged that settlement offer, offered four times. That settlement is a signed confession of guilt, as well as the evidence list given by U.S. Attorney Andrew Lelling to Mike, listing all the extensive evidence and documentation Mike had gathered over 10 years, which went all the way to the Attorney General Jeff Sessions in 2017. This is why they went after Trump, non-stop on the half-witted Russia collusion investigation. There was zero hope of impeachment. They were threatening each other with what they knew about New Hampshire. A secret so grand it would threaten to bring down the elite establishment order of the United States from top-level politicians to top-level bankers, the IRS, TICTA, or the Treasury Inspector General of Taxation Administration, whole DEA and FBI divisions, and state police with endless reverberations across the political, social, economic, and legal fields. Let me give you one exacting example of the depths of this corruption proven by Mike Gillen documents and recorded calls. Who oversees the IRS, an extremely powerful body that doesn't need a warrant to get into your bank accounts and make your life hell? Who rules the IRS, supervises it? It is an inspector general, like there is an inspector general overseeing the US intelligence community. TICTA or the Treasury Inspector General of Taxation Administration are above the IRS and they are the US Treasury, right there with Janet Yellen. Mike Gill had a long three-and-a-half-year-plus relationship with a TICTA agent called Tom Morley, M-O-R-L-E-Y. Remember, TICTA stands for Treasury Inspector General of Taxation. They rule the IRS. They are an extremely powerful organisation and, like me, I've never heard of them. 
Why this three-and-a-half-year-plus relationship? Because Mike has been making formal complaints of complete corruption of the IRS working hand-in-hand with a major drug and money laundering operation operating in New Hampshire and directly linked to the Pandora Papers and $932 billion. Tom Morley was his contact, and Tom Morley stated to Mike that indeed this was the, quote, worst-case corruption in the IRS's history, end quote. But Tom Morley was not working to expose the giant corruption. He was planting spies within Mike's office to set Mike up, and this is what happened. Let me set the scene before the recorded call that Aaron Day and Project Veritas took in September 2016. As Mike had been refusing the $50 million shut-up money by this time, it was decided to put pressure on Mike for more fraud within the IRS, and several phone calls were to follow. These phone calls were all synchronised. Yes, Phil. How about those millions? You want to tell them you were talking to Jim Wheat? Did you know that we got the CC from uh, Redwood Court? This had all the people who were working. I'm not talking to my vehicle. Yeah. He's the criminal. Go ahead. Now the next court to his vehicle. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I am in fear of this lunatic. He took an offer for $50 million. Understand, the attempts made were in some ways amateurish and oozed of desperation. The system that had been put in place had been so successful in paying off and blackmailing curious people into submission, they simply didn't know how to handle Mike and they feared him. Yeah, I had an appointment this, uh, today with uh, Detective uh, Curley at 6.30. Is he there? Is he there? Could you check? Yeah, it's important. Could you check to see if he's there? Another filthy f***ing cop. Mm. Hello, Detective Curley. Yeah, uh, this is Joe. Where are you, Detective? Excuse me? You're supposed to come and visit Joe Karen at 6.30. Where the f*** are you? Oh, excuse me. I don't know who this is. Mike Gill, running for governor. How about this? You're trying to extort another controller, just like before. Oh, you hung up, asshole, huh? There you go. State of corruption. Remember, Mike wasn't just anybody. He was worth, at that stage, three to $400 million. They had thrown every government department at Mike from the state and federal level. He was scrupulous and he was squeaky clean. Mike had been training to be a Catholic priest. His mother, a devout Catholic and close to the local diocese. He lived for his family especially his children. At six feet, four inches tall and fearless, he did not tolerate bullies, ever. He is one in a million. They were simply stumped at what to do with him. It was clear that they believed he was something bigger. He openly taunted them in giant billboards. He made videos, sitting down with shotguns on the table, mocking them, urging them to come over. You have seen me exercise my right to free speech. Well... I'm home, all alone. You've broken into my house many times. Except for I'm also going to exercise my right to bear arms. So you're welcome to come by. Just one of us isn't leaving. Thank you. He had instant cash reserves of 40 plus million dollars and a business worth upwards of 400 million dollars. 
He kept meticulous records and his mind was like a steel trap. They could not blackmail him and they could not pay him off. Two assassination attempts had not even phased Mike. He was beyond that by now after years of harassment. By 2016, they believed he was in direct contact with the Trump campaign. This is where they were by this stage, September 2016. They were out of tricks and they gave it one last go in late September 2016 and both Aaron Day and James O'Keefe with Project Veritas were present. Earlier that day, Mike had received 22 sealed IRS letters mailed to him in a FedEx bag by an accountant called Curtis Morley. What they didn't know at this stage was that Curtis Morley is the brother of Tim Morley, the TikTok agent that Mike was dealing with. Yeah, it gets better. Mike did not know who this man was and had never had any dealings with him. At that exact moment, Mike was rung by IRS agent Patrick Dillon. This was coordinated. Dillon exclaimed that Mike had not been cooperating with the IRS and they needed to meet. Why had he not been responding to IRS correspondence? He was not responding because he had never received the mail until that very moment, literally. The call was threatening and not recorded. It was presumed they were going to lean on Mike again with serious charges of not cooperating with the IRS. Mike called up Project Veritas and Aaron Day and they all huddled around Mike's business telephone and Mike called Treasury agent Tom Morley. Tom Morley told Mike he would be passing the case to the top level of TIGTA, Tim Camus, C-A-M-U-S, Deputy Inspector General of Investigations. He gave Mike his number and hung up the phone. Only he had not hung up his phone. By an act of God, Project Veritas recorded Tom Morley speaking with his boss, Tim Camus, and stating he gave him nothing and told him nothing. He also added that he was going to tell Mike they had an undercover in his office. Let's spend a few minutes with Mike on the phone to another level of the IRS, making a formal complaint against the whole process. This will set up the amazing words you are going to hear. A top-level Washington, D.C., deep state employee at the highest level. Now, we have that mail. 
shows the levels of coordination between the IRS and the top level of TIGTA to get control of Mike Gill and force him into signing the $50 million deal to silence him. The top levels of the IRS and the Treasury Inspector General of Taxation are deep in on this money laundering and drug operation. This is the Treasury itself. This is Janet Yellen territory. We're trying to get across. This isn't isolated. It's the whole damn system. They didn't turn a blind eye. They didn't try to feign they didn't know. They were all actively involved at the very, very top. I understand your position, Mr. Gill. I'm going to issue a... No, I'm telling you, Judicial Watch in America understands my position. Okay. And the corruption that goes through this courthouse, in the courthouse, people understand. Listen, there's a train coming right over here. You're out of order. No. Sit. Please have no, I'm not sitting. We're leaving. And you are corrupt. And your associates think you are. Yes, and, I will make it, and I will make it public. So I'm glad you're offended. Um, you should be. I wouldn't answer their calls. It wouldn't return their calls. There you go, you piece of shit. This will literally bring the system down. What happens after that? I have no idea. But I imagine war. The usual bloodshed. Regardless, we push ahead anyway. Once Mike had refused their $50 million for the last time, they took him to a totally rigged court that was a laughing stock of corruption and took $274 million off Mike. No witnesses allowed, no evidence allowed, and the judge refusing to even acknowledge the repeated requests for witness protection, including six state troopers. Look at the arrogance of this judge. They refused a jury trial, but when they realized Mike had traveled to Washington to meet with the DOJ, they bought in a jury and put on a little show trial with mucho crocodile tears. Oh, look at this pathetic fentanyl-dealing, mass-murdering piece of bad-acting garbage, Andrew Cruz. If I don't do it, who will? Somebody had to take, somebody had to turn around and stop the bullet. That's why Andy Cruz said he decided to file a defamation lawsuit against Michael Gill. Cruz, the CEO of a major car dealership in New Hampshire, was targeted by Gill on electronic billboards and through social media, accusing him of being involved in criminal activity. It was a, it was a absolutely frustrating moment of trying to find out to the answer why. And honestly, I still can't answer that. Why he's done what he's done, I can't. 
Cruz is one of three local businessmen, including banker Bill Greiner and developer Dick Anagnos, who are seeking damages against Gill. Gill, who attorneys also say runs a very successful mortgage company, launched multimedia attacks against all three men, which their lawyers say was not backed up by a shred of evidence. And he used his money and his talents to taunt. He used his money and talents to threaten, and he used his electronic billboards as a webbing post. Gill chose not to attend this first day of testimony. The court has already ruled that Gill is liable for the damages. It's now up to the jury to determine a dollar amount. Cruz said the false claims have hurt his family and his business. His wife says the hardest part has been explaining the attacks to their daughters. It's been tough. Are there any easy answers to those questions? There's no easy answers because it doesn't make sense. Attorney Stephen Gordon said that he has not yet decided exactly how much money he will ask the jury to award in damages. Reporting live in Mandy Hershberger, WMUR News 9. These wonderful human beings who murdered children as young as 14 then took that $274 million and claimed to have put it back into the treatment centres from which they deal their drugs and rip off the US taxpayer with their Medicaid fraud and fake treatment numbers. About a month ago with Aaron Day, the settlement was north of seven figures. Um, you, you don't settle for that unless you feel that there's a reason to settle for that. The three plaintiffs brought a large chunk of the proceeds to Hope for New Hampshire Recovery, presenting the nonprofit with a $225,000 windfall. It's the first step towards uh, total vindication of all of these allegations, but over and above, it's a great uh, feeling to give all of this money back so that Hope can continue its great work. The businessmen say they appeared on the notorious billboards shortly after announcing their financial backing for Hope for New Hampshire Recovery in January last year. So believe their donation is fitting. It was important for us to let the community know we're standing behind Hope. Um, we believe they're doing great work within our community and we're going to stand behind them. They run the drugs, they launder the money, they kill your kids, they fund political campaigns and they walk away as victims. None of this is going to stand. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and its New Hampshire money laundering roots will break open the case. Corrupt politicians sensing the congressional investigation based around the Pandora Papers are tipping off the cartel and are pulling their money out en masse in a panic and selling their assets. This is all just the tip of the central banking cartel, Israeli Likud, drugs, guns and sex trafficking rings run worldwide. Kay Griggs warned us of this network way back in 1977. A foreign power has completely co-opted the United States establishment order and is a hair's breadth away from bringing the United States to its knees. This is why aspects of the Israeli elites have been so arrogant for so long, sucking the United States dry again and again, seemingly beyond account and having US politicians bow like dogs at their arrival, scaring and carrying Jewish communities around the world with their thugs. Here, the well-reported words of Benjamin Netanyahu in the Finks Bar, Tel Aviv, in 1990. If we get caught, they will just replace us with persons of the same cloth. So it does not matter what you do. America is a golden calf and we will suck it dry, chop it up and sell it off piece by piece until there is nothing left but the world's biggest welfare state that we will create and control. Why? Because it is the will of God and America is big enough to take the hit so we can do it again and again and again. This is why Netanyahu and Putin and Xi and the German banking elites were forming the Eurasian Economic Union and BRICS trading bloc. 
forcing the United States out of Eurasia and the Middle East, dividing the planet into four sections, the new multipolar world order, demanded by Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, Klaus Schwab, and even Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran. Politically, the driving forces for this political transformation is the transition into a multipolar world, which has a tendency to make our world much more fragmented. نظم جدیدی بر جهان حاکم خواهد شد نقش ما ما ایرانی ها جایگاه ما ایرانی ها در این نظم جدید چیه؟ یه سوال مهمه نمیشه به دقت گفتش که این نظم این چنین نیست اما میشه یه خطوطی رو ترسیم یه خطوط اساسی هست که این نظم جدید مطمئنن این خطوط اساسی درش هست اولش عبارت است از انتوای امریکا در نظم جدید جهانی آمریکا منزوی خواهد بود برخلاف اونی که در 20 سال پیش بوش پدر گفت امروز تنها قدرت مسلط دنیا آمریکاست. خط اساسی دوم انتقال قدرت سیاسی و اقتصادی و فرهنگی و علمی حتی از غرب به آسیا آسیا خواهد شد مرکز دانش، مرکز اقتصاد، مرکز قدرت سیاسی، مرکز قدرت نظامی. This is why. So you just remember all those Putin groupies and those Xi groupies who were pushing the BRICS. They were pushing the World Economic Forum agenda the whole time. The whole time. This is why they attack America endlessly. This is Julian Assange. It's Edward Snowden. Their intent was not to reform America. Their intent was not to make the world a better place. Their intent was part of a program to bring down the United States, bring it to its knees. That's what's been going on for the last 10 years at least. Well, some would say for the last 250 years. This is why Xi Jinping, under orders from the World Economic Forum and Central Bank cartel bodies, released a biological weapon to bring down the United States economy and force it out of Eurasia. Donald Trump did not comply, and Heinz Kissinger and Rupert Murdoch have been trying to get rid of him ever since. Remember this from the South China Morning Post, 20th of April, 2020. Remember this article, quote, The US dollar is standing in the way to a truly global monetary response to the coronavirus crisis. Unless the pandemic becomes so widespread and costly as to overwhelm U.S. opposition. Now you understand all the people pushing Putin and Xi and the BRICS. This is the central banking cartel. These people are actors and they have an army of sycophants running around pushing it. I suggest they think real hard about continuing to do this. A vast cleanup operation may soon be about to take place. The nerve to try and take out the United States military, well, now you know why they were so cocky. Their bluff has been called and the war rages in Ukraine for control of Eurasia and the prevention of the formation of the Eurasian Economic Union, even as Beijing tries to form a bloc against the United States, bringing Saudi and Iran together. They cannot do this on their own. They are working as subcontractors for their boss, the borderless loan sharks, the City of London, international banking cartel, once the United States brought to its knees and its constitutional freedom snuffed out forever, a boot stamping on the face of humanity, forever. Do you understand? 
Do you seriously think Xi Jinping or any of these clowns can possibly stand up to the economic and military might of the United States? Why are they doing this? Why are they so cocky? Because they have the secret that will bring the whole system down. They are not going to get away with it. We cannot allow the likes of General Flynn and others to prevent this information from Mike Gill getting directly to Donald Trump. In 2017, Trump ordered Corey Lewandowski, his former chief of staff, to bypass the Boston FBI and get Mike into a meeting with U.S. Attorney Andrew Lelling. Let's listen to the exchange between Mike Gill and the utterly corrupt, vile IRS agent Jeremiah Devlin. Remember that guy's name. He's one of the little demons and he is going into a FEMA camp. face-to-face take place in U.S. Attorney Lelling's office. Lelling gave Mike a full account of all the evidence he had produced. This is gold, and they know it. The $50 million settlement offers are gold. The amount of evidence handed to top-level legal and political movers and shakers is gold. Vast swathes of this deep state swamp will need to be held and indicted. Fortunately, a vast FEMA camp system has been implemented in the United States, and there is plenty of room to house all the suspects. And there is a lot of them. The Silicon Bank collapse is just the beginning. 
We could speculate also on other things like Washingtonian Dana Hyde, who was tragically killed in a very, very strange aircraft accident where she was supposedly thrown around in an aircraft. This woman has a very, very interesting past. Very, very strange. Remember, she's flying out of New Hampshire. Even at that young age and with no work experience, she was just an extraordinarily brilliant, capable, committed person who had all the right values, said Esther Kurz, who hired Hyde for that first internship at the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. In all the many jobs she had in Washington, and she had many, she was always driven by the desire to help others. Oh, how sweet. And Dana Hyde is desperate to be buried in Israel following this tragic accident. The report continues, after two years as a legislative assistant at APAC, Hyde, who grew up in Oregon, worked on Bill Clinton's first presidential campaign and later in his White House. After getting a law degree from Georgetown, she served as counsel to the Congressional 9-11 Commission. Hmm, that's interesting. She spent time both in private practice and in government, including as CEO of the Millennium Challenge Corporation, a Senate-confirmed position. Hyde's funeral on Wednesday took place at Temple Mika in Washington and drew more than 200 people, among them National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew. Hyde will be buried in Israel today. Assuming you believe she's actually dead, and I guess it's possible, like that other person who strangled himself and then shot himself in the chest with a shotgun, the man who would allow Jeffrey Epstein into the White House for Bill Clinton, this Bill Clinton-associated lady certainly had a very strange exit, although I have my doubts she did. I think she ran for home base, Israel, because that's where the money's going too. And we might see a flood of these people jumping on planes and suddenly discovering their Jewish roots. Wait for it. It's very, very interesting. This Silicon Valley bank collapse is just the beginning. The strength of the U.S. economy lies in its all-powerful military-industrial complex. It's time the United States used it. Without one arm being tied behind its back, infiltrated and subverted from within and without. Only the U.S. military and you can solve this. Who dares wins? Let us attend. Good luck. it in the chat so if you want to watch the whole thing and make notes or whatever you can do that it's on my rumble channel and the links in the uh in the chat room so that's more or less it let me see if there's anything else i want to play uh we've still got seven minutes or so so the thing about Brendan O'Connell is he's he's pretty much gone from YouTube now. I think he took his own stuff down because he got so frustrated. Uh, but uh, 
he is still on Patreon and he is still on archive.org. Uh, I'll, I'll repost everything that I, that I think is interesting and I'll, I'll use a lot of his material. If he's, now that he's disappeared, I'm not interfering with his, his way of making a living or whatever. So I can, I can just, I'll just use his material. I've, I've emailed him and told him that I'm using it and he's fine with it. So, uh, there's quite a lot of material that I could use on a radio show. So we might, I might find that, uh, January is Brendan O'Connell month or something like that. I'll find three or four videos and I'll, I'll try and edit them down a little bit because he does get quite, uh, randy. At, at points, but uh, you can use them as two part. I could use them as two parters, and and cover January just with with some of his material, just to get it on the record, really, as much as anything. I mean, I have no idea whether what he's saying is real or not, but it sounds like it might be, and he's the only man that I've heard saying things in this much detail. So it's worth getting on the record, if nothing else. All right, let me have a quick look on BitChute and see if I can find five minutes to finish off with. I was listening to an interview with uh, with Scott Ritter before the show, and it's a two-hour interview, so I'm not I can't really even play part of it because he was on fire though. He's uh, he's definitely got things to say about Israel Palestine as well as his normal. Uh, Ukraine war material and he's he's saying all the right things he's he's very challenging on the <clears throat> on the history of Palestine so I recommend I recommend that I know he's got a bit of a dodgy history but he is influential and he is saying the right things as far as I can see I think and I think he's genuine. I could be wrong, but I, I think he's genuine. All right, there's not really anything on BitChute apart from stuff about the end of the world that I'm not going to go into. I want to apart apart from the corruption <clears throat> and keep this light and just see where we go. So my stuff is still on the podcast, which is on Podbean. Or you can find it on Spotify or any of those places uh, just by looking for Free Association Radio Show. There's not been very much posted on there since I started getting sick, but uh, it will pick up as we go along. Uh, That's pretty much it. I'm going to leave it there, I think, because it's a very, very structured show today. So... I shall catch you next week with a conversation with Lenny Time, hopefully, about about Bitcoin and about crypto and about blockchain. And uh, I'll do some research in between, so hopefully I'll have something sensible to say next week. Uh, that's it for now, though. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.
Revolution Radio. Mountain High Time, two hours of an organization to the madness, discussing the ever-changing dynamics of being both physically and mentally prepared for a plethora of possible outcomes to our future and present. A look into the latest technologies, new scientific discoveries, and how they might be used in connection to the human domain and controlling it, ancient cultures and places. Be warned. This is an opinionated look through headlines. Guests that are not afraid to question the narrative. A little bit of crazy ramblings of a stoner conspiracy factus that pushes constitutional concepts. The place and the time are the same, another dimension we call Mountain High Time. Saturdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Mountain High Time. Right here on Revolution.Radio, where information never sleeps and truth breaks the spell. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Friday evenings, 8 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. Are you interested in the paranormal? 